Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am your host, I am Shemaine Linney, I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist and biohacker and I'm very happy to have you back with me for some more learning and I am thankful that you take a little bit of time out of your day to spend with me. I feel like it's been forever since I've done a solo podcast because it seems like I've just been doing back-to-back interviews with more to come. But I do, honestly, as much as I enjoyed the interviews and chats that I've been having with the different specialists and uh, professionals and different fields of health, I do quite enjoy my solo time and my solo podcast. So um, this one, today we're going to look at deep sleep. And this was a sporadic um, decision because last night on my master's group call, um, the topics really were, we looked completely at sleep, how sleep works, the different stages of sleep, Um, how it affects our circadian rhythm, how important it is for our health, all the different levels of health that gets impacted by sleep. We also then looked at CBD and THC and how they impact sleep. Um, And we went through some other stuff. But I've noticed a lot of concern with many of my clients, especially my newer master's members, over their deep sleep because they didn't have an awareness of their deep sleep really before they started in my master's guide but now it's like oh hold on like some of them are tracking their sleep some are not they're just going by their symptoms or understanding of sleep so far that I have taught them but they're starting to recognize well, my sleep isn't as good as I thought it was, and I don't think I'm getting into deep sleep. So that's going to be the topic of today's conversation. I'm hoping to really kind of delve a bit deep into deep sleep, pun intended, uh, and give you a proper understanding of how it works. But before I go on, I want to remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. Okay, so I talk a lot about sleep. If you've been a follower of mine and my podcast for a couple of years, which I know many of you have, and thank you for that, uh, I've done many podcasts on sleep and many posts, and I've spoken a, a lot about the importance of REM sleep. Um, And I've no doubt that people understand the importance of deep sleep, but I just want to give you a better understanding today. So REM sleep, um, of course, very important. That's where we get most of our dreaming. That's where we process memories and learning from whatever happened during the day. So REM sleep, very, very important. But deep sleep, Equally important, if not more important on some levels, but seems to be a big challenge for a lot of people. Deep sleep, almost if we were to be so bold, 
we could call it an epidemic. So we have an epidemic of sleep deprivation. When you look at society and you look at how many people are struggling with sleep, honestly, it's most of my clients. If I speak to 10 clients, uh, two of them might have great sleep, the other eight. So that's 80%. That's quite a number. So sleep problems have increased in conjunction with sedentary lifestyles and the increased usage of electronics and Netflix and streaming and online gaming, PC gaming, all that. According to a 2011 study by the National Sleep Foundation, 63% of Americans say they do not sleep enough during the week. Uh, and bear in mind, that study was done in 2011. That was long before we had the pandemic and the anxiety that induced, which destroyed sleep for a lot of people. And that also, in 2011, yeah, there was PC gaming and stuff back then, but not the way it is now. There was phones back then, but not the way we have mobile phones now. So back then it was 63%. I would guesstimate it's a lot higher right now, which is a big problem. So 48% of Americans report insomnia occasionally, while 22% experience insomnia every or almost every night. So about 15% of adults between the age of 19 and 64 say they sleep less than six hours on weeknights. And 95% of us uh, use some type of electronics, like a television or a computer or a phone or a video game or uh, a Kindle or electronic book reader or something. Um, a few nights a week before bed, if not every night before bed. So within the hour before bed. I know many of my clients and followers listen to this podcast regularly. And I know your stories. And I know you are nodding your head right now. If not about the electronics, but you're definitely agreeing that 22% um, of us probably more experience insomnia every or almost every night. Um, and 15% between the ages of 19 and 64 sleep less than six hours. I know many of my clients sleep less than six hours. And I'm just going to elaborate that just because you're in bed asleep at 10, let's say you fall asleep at 10 p.m. and your alarm goes off at 6 a.m., most people would say, oh yeah, I slept eight hours. That does not mean you slept eight hours. That's just a number on the clock. That does not mean that you got eight hours of sleep at all. So I have no shame. I'm always very vocal about my sleep habits. I'm in bed by 8.30 p.m. I'm asleep by nine, like my head is on the pillow by 9 p.m. and I pretty much fall asleep within a couple of seconds, like not minutes, seconds. That's usually how tired I am. And I'm very consistent with my sleep-wake cycle. So my body pretty much knows when I hit the pillow, like this is it, lights out, good night. So when I track my sleep with a whoop, and I have done for over a year and a half now, um... Now, whether or not the whoop is accurate is neither here nor there. It's the consistency and it's the tool I've been using for a year and a half. Therefore, it's accurate for me. Uh, and usually my deep sleep is pretty great. 
But even though I'm in bed, I'm asleep from 9 to, let's just say, 6, so I get 9 hours. My whoop will tell me, well, you only got 8 hours of actual sleep, or even 7 hours and 50 minutes. So it really can vary, and then sometimes I am closer to the 8 hours and 50 minutes. It really, it does vary, but just to make it clear, just because you think you go to bed at 10 p.m. and you wake up to your alarm at 6 does not mean that you got 8 hours sleep. Anyway, moving on. So we know, I think most people know at this stage, it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see people talk about it everywhere, even like the average Joe in my neighborhood will post something about artificial light exposure and how that can disrupt your sleep by suppressing the sleep uh, hormone melatonin, which melatonin really helps us with sleep quality and getting into deep sleep. Uh, I've mentioned to my clients that 30 minutes of blue light exposure or artificial light exposure in the evening after sunset can suppress your own production of melatonin by up to 90 minutes so the more blue light exposure you get most people are not watching tv or whatever for 30 minutes if they're watching a movie it's going to be at least 90 minutes the longer you have that exposure the more you're interfering with your um, melatonin production so people who experience sleeping difficulties generally they will turn to some sort of prescription sleep aid. Nowadays, probably a lot of people turn into CBD, though, especially when I reflect upon our group call last night. CBD is quite popular and can be very beneficial for a lot of people, but there's still a lot of people that use sleeping pills or sleep aids. And sleeping pills are a multi-billion dollar industry in the United States alone and I obviously still have a lot of family back in Ireland and several of them use sleeping pills and the use of sleeping pills whether or not people know it carries a range of risks including there was some research that came out a couple of years ago that um one night of one sleeping pill can increase your um chances of death by I think early onset death by something like 20% I can't remember exactly don't quote me on that but I remember being shocked so it really was like one night's use of sleeping pill can affect your mortality rate anyway so other symptoms would be like dependency I'm sure we've all heard of people who've become dependent on sleeping pills and then they have withdrawal symptoms like uh, memory problems, changes in their brain, unwanted sleepiness when they don't want to be sleeping, lethargy, mood disruptions. The, actually, the drug Halcyon, for example, was withdrawn from the UK market in 1993 because of side effects like depression and memory loss, but it's still available in a lot of other countries. Um, but the UK market seemed to deem it unsafe and undesirable, but you can still get it in other countries. Um, so the harm caused by sleep medication seems to outweigh its benefits but that doesn't mean all hope is lost if you are someone that responds well to cbd the side effects to that seem to be quite minimal and it's individual but they seem to be kind of safe enough for most people and there's plenty of evidence of course that sleep is 
important. Sleep is number one, in my opinion. I'm known for saying that. If you don't have sleep, you really don't have anything else. Everything else is going to be a struggle. If I didn't have sleep, I couldn't turn up every day and pull out the information that I give to my people on whatever they might ask. My memory recall will be terrible. My cognitive performance will be terrible. I wouldn't be able to perform in the gym, let alone hit my physique goals that I have. Like It would just be a mess and then I would also be irritable with my family. Um, I'd make poor food choices, blah, blah, blah. But we all... I think we we all know it's valuable. Sleep is that kind of reparative, regenerative, restorative, anabolic state during which our body not only does it heal and regenerate and um, build muscle and support the immune system, it also replenishes its energy stores, even in the brain, which I spoke about last night in our group call, which you can actually, I made that one public because I thought it was very interesting. It's on my YouTube channel. We spoke about how when we sleep, the brain replenishes its glycogen stores. So more and more research, especially on deep sleep, keeps coming out. Um, and I think the, the researchers in this area, they are recognizing how important this is. And many of these studies also will use some sort of trackers. So um, many say... Apple Watch or Fitbit users, they notice that they get, even though they sleep, they notice that their deep sleep may be minimal or almost zero. I have one client and she's recently started tracking and although her sleep is improving, if she hadn't started tracking her sleep with her Apple Watch, she wouldn't have recognized how low her deep sleep was. Um, and whether or not these devices are accurate, like the Oura Ring, the Whoop, the Fitbit, the Apple Watch, whatever it is, whether or not they're accurate is neither here nor there as long as you are consistently using that. Um, but it seems that sleep deprivation is a big thing nowadays, especially in regards to deep sleep, which causes all these issues. Um, poor sleep. I think people know this, but poor sleep destroys the immune system, including your white blood cells. The common marker of inflammation, which is CRP, which is C-reactive protein, also increases. I think most of us know this, especially my clients and my people. We track our biomarkers. My clients have a great awareness around their physical biomarkers, and they know that if they have a poor night's sleep, that they will experience some neurological inflammation, so swelling of the brain, headache, uh, inflammation throughout the body, maybe their wedding ring fits tighter, they feel swollen, and maybe their aches and pains are worse. And this can be caused by poor sleep. Sleep deprivation has been shown to raise systolic blood pressure and increase the consumption of uh, fat-heavy, sugar-heavy, processed junk food, basically. And this is because of not just the C-reactive protein inflammation aspect, but the brain glucose, the blood sugar imbalances that happen as well. And lack of sleep has been shown to be a predictor of weight gain and increases the risk of traffic accidents. The diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, mental illnesses such as depression and anxiety, mood disorders, 
seasonal flu and cardiovascular diseases. And I have spoken about our microbiome alone and how that affects cravings and our mood and weight gain or fat loss. Sleep loss or poor sleep has recently also been shown to alter the gut microbiome by changing the ratios of firmicutes to bacteroidetes in a way that predisposes people to obesity. So the more firmicutes you have, the higher the firmicutes, the higher likelihood that you're going to continue to gain weight or you're going to struggle to lose weight and be more predisposed to um, obesity. So suffice to say, um, getting sufficient good sleep, lots of deep sleep, REM sleep is what's going to help you perform better, be more aware, have better mental health and ability and resiliency, that ability to handle stress, uh, inflammation will be down, your skin quality will be better, your performance in the gym or sports will be better, your ability to learn stuff and recall stuff and pull on past memories will be better, and your overall well-being. Sleep is number one. So sleep, when you're getting this good sleep, overall you're just going to feel and perform better on every level. So let's look at the stages of sleep really quick. So sleep alternates generally between two phases. It's our orthodox sleep and our REM sleep. And these phases then can be distinguished um, from one another in an EEG, which most people are not doing. But some of the easiest questions I will ask people is, did you dream? How, how long did it take you to fall asleep? Do you feel refreshed? Blah, blah, blah. So the more majority of sleep is orthodox sleep, which is your deep sleep or your slow wave sleep. And then that can be further divided into three uh, non-rapid eye movement stages, which is N1, N2, and N3. Um, and these are in contrast to REM sleep. So REM sleep is that rapid eye movement sleep at the end of your sleep cycle. So the different stages of sleep, we have wakefulness, which is where you're in your beta wave state, if you were looking at an EEG, um, and this is in frequent and low frequency, which is where you're still awake. This is what we would expect to see during the day. But then as you start to move into sleep, which is N1, that first stage of sleep, you're going into your theta waves, which are four to eight hertz, and usually... <laughs> usually about 10 minutes. Uh, for some people, it might be longer. For some people, it'll be shorter. Um, so here, the theta waves are slower and higher in frequency. This is like a transitory phase from wakefulness to light sleep. This is where you're starting to doze off and uh, everything starts to slow down. Um, if someone was to wake the person up, they would probably respond immediately and not feel like they had fallen asleep at all. N2 is the second stage. This is where we would see sleep spindles on an EEG and that would be 11 to 16 hertz frequency and that duration is about 20 to 30 minutes. This is like a period of light sleep during which there is little movement and the breathing is quiet. The second stage involves periodic surges in brainwave frequencies and this is where the sleep spindles come in. So brain activity during the second stage is more active than the first, but you may see um, some dreaming happen here as well. 
The next one is the third stage, which is our um, where we see delta waves. This is zero to four hertz. So those frequencies really, really have slowed down now. And this is where we have our deep sleep. This is about 30 to 40 minutes. In elderly people, it can be shorter um, by as much as six minutes. So this is your deep sleep where your breathing is stable. On an EEG, you would have these very low, slow, consistent delta waves. Your muscles are completely relaxed and the pulse, your body temperature, your core temperature, your heart rate variable, blood pressure, everything is decreased. Here is where we get our production of human growth hormone. Human growth hormone, as many of you know, is essential for healing, repair, tissue growth, muscle growth, um, white blood cell growth, everything and anything human growth hormone is needed for that. But especially fat burning, human growth hormone is very important for fat burning. So if you're not getting into deep sleep, you are unfortunately going to potentially have issues losing body fat. At this stage, the sleeper will not wake if another person walks into the room, generally, and then um, your pulse and your blood pressure and everything is at its lowest. This would be where your heart rate variable Mine, at least, would be at its highest. As your pulse is low, your heart rate would be high, showing that you have those bigger gaps in your heart rate variable. And then we have our REM sleep, which is a combination of alpha and beta waves. During REM sleep, your brain is awake, but the rest of your body is asleep. And the muscles here in the body and the neck, they're paralyzed to help keep you safe and prevent you from sleepwalking and hurting yourself. During REM sleep, the eyes are moving under the eyelids. So you've seen people in there, it looks like their eyelids are fluttering. Well, it's actually their eyes are um, moving underneath the eyelids. This is where dreaming is at its peak. The typical adult has an average of four to five REM stages every night. The first stage lasts about 10 minutes while the subsequent ones get longer and longer. Um, some people have reported to very long REM stages, but the average is 30 minutes. So it, at the beginning of the night in your first sleep cycle and your second sleep cycle, maybe your REM sleep is 10 minutes in the first sleep cycle and then 15 minutes in the second. And then the, the closer you get to the end of your night of sleep, that's where you have the longest amount of time in REM sleep. So you might be 30 to 40 minutes, if not longer, in REM sleep just before you wake up in the morning. And this is why a lot of people will report that they have their most vivid dreams before they wake up. It's not because you remember it because you just woke up. Like part of it is that. But um, most of us, most humans, we have our longest sleep or REM cycles. The majority of our dreaming is done between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., let's say. So um, it's usually that latter part of your night of sleep where you'll have the most REM sleep. Um, and there are tests like REM sleep is not only important for 
um, processing, but it also helps with the regeneration of the brain's nerve cells. Tests measuring the effects of sleep deprivation have shown that REM sleep is absolutely indispensable as deprivation leads to irritability, I can agree to that, fatigue, memory loss, and reduced capacity for concentration. And actually, I gave this kind of little fun tidbit to my clients last night. Babies um, actually get a lot of REM sleep. On average, 50% of the 16 or so hours of sleep they get is spent in REM sleep, which is a lot and sounds heavenly to me. I really enjoy dreaming. Like, I like dreaming a lot. So during a typical adult seven to eight hour sleep, probably less, the sleeper moves from the first stage to the second stage and to the third stage and then back again to the second stage. And after this, then the sleeper either wakes up or goes straight into REM sleep and then the cycle repeats itself a couple of times. So many of you with insomnia who wake multiple times throughout the night you may be waking up after that second stage um, and not getting into that REM sleep at all. So you're not getting into, you might get into the third stage, which is your deep sleep a little bit, but then you wake and you're not getting into your REM sleep and that can happen. But typically a full cycle lasts about 90 minutes. Um and that's usually, from what we see with the studies, that's optimal for each sleep kind of stage or cycle. Um, there's a lot to know about deep sleep. There is some genetics in regards to deep sleep. Um, some people will sleep so deep that you can't wake them no matter what you do. Other people are more lighter sleepers and they'll wake up at the slightest sound whether or not it's a sound or it's another sensory stimulus. So it does vary. People with a polymorphism on the adenosine deaminase gene, uh, ADAG22A, they have deeper and more intense sleep than people without that mutation. Um, and then there's another study that shows people with a polymorphism in the adenosine A2A receptor had altered brain activity during sleep, so this can interfere with their sleep too. And there's a lot of studies out there. I don't want you to dwell too much on potential polymorphisms because the only way you would know would be to get genetic testing done, and the majority of people are not doing that. But do, obviously, we all want to stack conditions in our favor as much as possible in regards to getting this good, deep quality sleep. There is another interesting pilot study published in 2016 in the journal Neurologi Neurology, which found association between sleep quality and the APOE4 gene, which there's a lot of talk about or has been a lot of talk about in regards to the ketogenic diet and fat tolerance there. But people with that allele, they're at risk for Alzheimer's disease and they also have more sleep disruptions, especially as they get older. So that's interesting. I do know a couple of people, a couple of my clients know that they have the APOE4 gene. Um, so they can then kind of stack conditions in their favor. 
So we know that sleep is super important for healing, regeneration, especially deep sleep. We get our human growth hormone, we get detoxification, we replenish energy stores, we clean up any damage from the day, any amyloid plaque, toxins, uh, hormones, everything like that. And without it, you're not going to be your optimal self and you're really going to struggle with your health or your fat loss journey. So I want to look at a couple of tips before we wrap up to help optimize deep sleep. My clients have a whole evening routine that I constantly annoy them about. Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Some easy ones are going to be um, working alongside your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm directly influences sleep. So making sure you're getting that direct sunlight first thing in the morning um then trying to stack conditions in your favor there's a way that you can eat so that your food your nutrition and your food combinations and everything work in tangent with your circadian rhythms and hormonal rhythms so if you can do that uh please do that so those circadian rhythms they directly influence biological processes including digestion and blood sugar management and all that sort of stuff also, um, they influence like your metabolism, your circadian rhythms, your body temperature. Um, we sleep best when we have a cooler body temperature as well. So eating big meals or lots of sugar or carbs later in the day can really interfere with you getting into that deep sleep. Then the before I go on, I want to remind you that um, stress really really impacts deep sleep if you've had a very stressful day which most of us have all the time it can really impair your ability to get into deep sleep because it will suppress the production of melatonin but it'll also affect inflammation and inflammation pathways so the best advice if you've had a very stressful day is to just try stack conditions in your favor as much as possible. Make sure you have a really good evening routine. Um, block out any blue light at least three hours before going to bed. Now that doesn't mean you have to walk around in the dark, but you can get incandescent lights. You can use candles. You can use flux or night shift on your electronics. You can get some blue light blockers. There's a lot of TVs. I, maybe your TV has it and they have this ability to put on night shift or pull out the blue lights and make the screen more orangey. It might be annoying in the beginning, but honestly, your eyes will adapt to it. You also want to make sure that your bedroom is as dark and as quiet as possible. There should be no lights in your bedroom, no LEDs, not even the little red one that's on the alarm clock or the TV. Plug out the electronics. Um, then make sure that your bedroom is cool. Human beings sleep better when we're in a cool temperature and our... Um, core temperature is allowed to drop so if you are having a hot bath before bed at least have that finished and done an hour before bed so that your core temperature can drop back down again and then um, be conscious of electronic exposure I generally don't watch TV in the evening because I'm too late by the time I finish with my clients and work. Sure, it's time to get my little boy to bed then and then it's almost my bedtime. When you go to bed at 
it doesn't give you a lot of flexibility. So um, I will put on usually classical music or a podcast. So I'm not looking directly at the electronics or the phones, but I listen to it because I'm like making my evening tea. I'm making my son's lunch for tomorrow. I'm getting my gym bag ready or whatever. Like I'm pottering around, but um, it doesn't mean you don't have, you have to live in silence and darkness. You just kind of got to um, stack things in your favor. Like you can still have a life, but you want to also... Um, do things in a way that you're benefiting from them. Then um, try, most people don't think of the air quality in their room. I recommend that my clients keep plants in their room. Some don't because they said they kill their plants, which is fine. Um, but plants really have the ability to recycle toxic air while we're asleep. They'll purify air. They'll take out the toxins. If you don't, you could use a humidifier. Do not use a fan. Don't use a fan, especially not while you're sleeping at night. But be sure that you're airing your house and your bedroom every day. I know it's a bit hard in Canada in the winter. I've had my windows literally freeze and I can't open them. But um, even on cooler days, I'll always try open the window for a little while and just air the house and just kind of ventilate the bedroom for a couple of hours. Um, if possible if you lived in a quiet area maybe on an acreage or something you could keep the small window open during the night but even on an acreage here I think you probably get coyotes howling um, but there's options like keeping plants I have two plants in my room a banana tree and I don't know what the other one is called but they're awesome they filter and I can smell actually during the summer when we had the fires the smoke um, when I smelt the leaves on the banana tree, I could smell the toxins where it had pulled in the toxic air, grabbed onto those toxins and then filtered me out clean air. It's amazing how plants work. It really is. Then keep your core temperature low. Um, there are some supplements that we know can help. Oh, and try keep your sleep-wake times consistent, even on the weekends, as much as possible. This trains your body to not only know when to expect sleep and rest, and then when to wake, but also it'll help your circadian rhythms line up a little bit better and more in tangent with the Earth's energies and resonance. And there's a lot of research to back that. Uh, regular exercise has been shown to balance the circadian rhythm as well while I'm talking about that and significantly improve sleep quality. Most people recognize if they exercise or they walk during the day that they sleep better at night and there's numerous randomized control trials have confirmed that exercise has multiple positive effects on sleep including better sleep quality, uh, onset latency so you fall asleep faster, better total sleep time, better sleep efficiency and lowered severity of insomnia. Just please don't do anything too strenuous close to bed. And then in regards to sleep supplements, most people know that magnesium can help relax you. I'm a big proponent of GABA. Collagen or glycine is very beneficial for helping people get into um, deep sleep. It works for most people, but some people have excessive sleep or stress issues where they might need something extra. 
I find reishi mushroom very helpful for me, especially if I, it's part of my sleep stack. So I might take that two hours before bed and then I'll start implementing the rest of my sleep stack. Phosphatidylserine can be helpful for some people, especially on days that they have heavy stress. Um, a good fish oil can be very helpful for pushing down inflammation and helping with stress as well. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that can be done. Uh, there is a supplement I was trying called True Calm by Now Foods. I found it to be very helpful, but I think finding that sweet spot is individual. Um, and then CBD. Check out the group call I did last night where we discussed CBD and sleep and how that works. That's on my YouTube channel, Shemaine's Model Health. Um, so there's a lot you can do. Blood sugars, inflammation, um, lymphatic movement. There's a lot you can do to help with your sleep. So I hope you found this really helpful. If you have any questions, please reach out to me and let me know. I think we delved quite deep into deep sleep today. I think I gave you some good information. If you have any questions, reach out to me. Please share with anyone you think might benefit from this information. And if you haven't liked or subscribed to my podcast already, please do. It really helps me a lot. It helps with the algorithm. And even if you wanted to leave a review, if you felt I deserved it, that also helps. And when you help the algorithm, you help my information reach more people. So more people benefit and they have these tools to then hopefully implement and help themselves. So I hope you guys enjoyed this a little bit longer because we went in depth. I will chat to you guys really soon with um, either another solo podcast or interview. And take care. Take care of yourself. Prioritize sleep. And we will chat real soon. Bye-bye.